What is phase two? New day is done. The day of the Power Cosmic Podcast. Gathered from around the galaxy comes the world's greatest comic book fans, all in one terrific podcast. It's the Power Cosmic Podcast. With your host with the most, the man who puts on Terrific Con, the world's greatest Comic Con every August at the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, Mitch Halleck. Joining Mitch each week will be an assembly of his terrific super friends. Join them as they talk about comic books, movies, and more. It's the Power Cosmic Podcast. Power Cosmic Podcast. It's back! Connecticut's terrific Comic Con! Join us this August 9th to the 11th at the Mohegan Sun Expo Center in Uncasville, Connecticut as we bring together the hottest names in the comic book industry. There'll be no wrestlers, no psychics, no crazy stuff you don't want to see at a Comic Con. This is 100% pure Comic Con action and it's only at Terrific Con. You'll see today's top talents like Tom King, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, Plus, Terrificon is the place where fans get to meet the legends that they love. You'll see Jim Steranko, Chris Claremont, J. Michael Straczynski, and making his final Comic-Con appearance, the one and only George Perez. Join us as we also celebrate Batman's 80th anniversary with a salute to his films. You'll see Billy D. Williams, Val Kilmer, Robert Wolf, and so many more. Plus, you'll meet from Doctor Who and Torchwood, John Barryman, John Wesley Ship from The Flash, and the first First Avenger himself, Red Captain America Brown, will be there. Plus, the voiceover actors from the main Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain. Join us for a real Comic-Con at the Mohegan Sun, August 1911th, when Terrificon comes back to Connecticut. See what all the fuss is about at Terrificon.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Power Cosmic Podcast. I'm your host with the most, the man of the hour, Mitchell A.S. Halleck, the guy who puts on Terrificon, Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con, year after year. My goodness, how many years has it been? Five years for Terrificon at Mohegan Sun, and the work never stops. The show hasn't been on I'm talking about the podcast as regularly as it used to be because you know why? Because I'm damn busy. Got a lot going on here. But anyway, we got some new guests. Uh, let's go over real quickly uh, from the world of voiceover and animation. Jess Harnell, who will be joining uh, the other folks that I've already announced Rob Paulson, Maurice LaMarche, Phil Lamar. And then we have Maley Ant- Flanagan. I was going to say Anderson, but Flanagan, who's also the voice of Naruto, and she's also on many TV shows, so when you see her and you hear her voice, you'll know exactly who she is. They'll be joining, of course, our live action movie actors, whatever you want to call them, Billy D. Williams, Val Kilmer, John Barrowman, John Wesley Shipp, uh, Reb Brown, Robert Wool, and... Uh, who else is out there? There's a bunch of people. And plus, comic book. Jeez Louise. Have I been going nuts on the comic book guests this year? 
Liam Sharp was another one I just know. David Wachter, who does a lot of Godzilla work, which is appropriate since the Godzilla movie comes out next week. Um, by the time you're listening to this, who else have I added? I've added all the inkers this week. Mark Farmer, Bob Amon, Bob McLeod. Uh, a lot of guys named Bob that do inking, but that'll be part of the show. Then we've got a couple surprises left up my sleeve. And then it's just counting down the days, man. It's almost like two and a half months to go. It's getting here. And this one's going to be crazy. Let me tell you. God knows got enough comic book vendors and such. And we've got George Perez. and Oh, that's going to be a crazy one. But anyway, I'm sounding a little tired because I am. Because I was up all night working on the website. But mm, fearless listener, do not worry. Because I have some energy-filled, power-packed episodes of the Power Cosmic coming at you in very seconds. Mere seconds, I'd say. I'm going to have Jerry Ordway talk about some stuff as we were driving around. Or I could put Steve Barker, Officer Friendly, in our recent travel through the world of comic books. I think I'm going to just keep the Ordway stuff today. And we'll go on the comic book hunt on the next episode of the Power Cosmic. I can't give you guys everything. If I give you everything all at once, you'll get spoiled. And then you won't know what the hell you want next because you've already had it all. So sit back, listen. As we talk about uh, whatever Jerry and I talk about this time, I think we were coming back from pizza, like we need more pizza, and uh, and that's what happened. So, I don't know, whatever, smoke them if you got them. Don't smoke, actually, it's bad for your lungs. Uh, kick back, take the shoes off, it's Memorial Day weekend, have a nice cookout, make some s'mores, get some hot dogs, do whatever it is, and just listen to the Power Cosmic, and if you've already heard this episode and you still have nothing to do this weekend then no saying you can't go back and listen to it all over again again and again and again and actually there's some good episodes if you really look into the archives there's some good ones there are some funny ones too so that's all i have for you i will see you in two months and uh keep listening to the power cosmic whenever i got something interesting to say i'll do it If I don't have anything interesting to say, just be nice and pretend I did. Makes me feel good. All right, here we go. Here's my latest conversation with Jerome Ordway. Actually, that's wrong. I think it's Jeremiah Ordway. But anyway, here's Jerry and I going on about something. All right, goodbye. What is the 12th? No, No, 13th? No, Mother's Day. Is it that? I'll say it's May 14th. Anyway... There's not a lot of energy in the show because Jerry's been up drawing all night and I've been up doing Terrificon stuff, ordering flights. Did I tell you I took a phone call from somebody at 1030 at night? No. I was going to pick up my kid and the phone rang and I said, oh, you know, who's calling me on Saturday night at 1030? Must be something important. And I go, hello? And he goes, is this Terrificon? I go, are you kidding me? He goes, oh, I didn't know if somebody would answer. I go, well, well you're calling. And he goes, well, it's 1030 night. I go, exactly. He goes, I thought it was going to be a voicemail. I go, well, you didn't. What do you want? And he goes, I want to buy a table. And he goes, who is this? I go, this is the owner. He goes, wait, the owner's answering the phone at 1030 on a Saturday night? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'm impressed. I go, you know what? You're right. That is pretty impressive. Did you just finish the dishes? <laughs> no. I was like, I'm cleaning up everything. So anyway, that's neither here nor there. So. Anyway, I could talk about all the things I tried to watch this week. Well, we're, you know, we watched, I, I watched five different shows. I watched, I watched a couple episodes. I caught up. I didn't get totally caught up, but I watched a couple Doom Patrol. Yeah. And I really liked I haven't them. watched them all yet either. 
I think I'm up through episode maybe ten eight? or eleven. Oh, you're that far? Yeah. Oh, all right. And uh, and I've been really liking it. It feels very. But you never read the books, did you? I read the comics in the '80s. The Morrison ones yeah. or the Cupperberg ones? Yeah, no, I read the the Morrison ones. I thought that was in the '90s. Was it? I thought it was. I late thought 80s. it was later, and I thought Paul did his. Well, after the uh, and then he killed everybody, and then right, Grant right. Morrison brought him up. And back. Morrison did it, and uh, and kind of showed. Did you ever read the original Doom Patrol? I read those actually the Alan, when they started Drake's? doing. Yeah, when DC started doing those archive books. Oh yeah. Um, I had gotten. I would always get comps of the first ones. Yeah. And then I. Actually, you know, like everything, you get a ton of books. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you, they sort just go through on, them. Right, they exactly. go in boxes or on and they shelf. sit on a shelf or a dining so room table. At some point, I said, hey, you know, I'm going to read these Doom Patrols for the heck of it. I'm just going to read them. So I did. Did you know anything them. about the Doom Patrol a before? A little bit. Yeah. Because it ran when I was a kid. It was right. still running, but I wasn't like, Strange I was a Marvel right? fan, so I wasn't really. No, it ran its own book, I think, up oh, okay. until maybe 69 or 70 or something. That late? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. I thought it was early um, 60s. So, but anyways, after the. You know, I remember reading like, oh, the X-Men, yeah, yeah. and uh, there was always talk about how the Doom Patrol really was kind of comparable to the X-Men during those early 60s. That came before the X-Men, right? It came out like maybe, what, a couple months before Oh, that the close? First, okay. Yeah, it was, it was one of those overlap things. All right. Um, but it's it really was like one of the one of the most Marvel type books before right, Marvel. Dysfunctional family, yeah, fighting and, with each and other. There's some great stuff in there that, as a like, a, I read them maybe say ten years ago. I read these archive books, yeah, and I was amazed at how well written they were because stuff that you would think this was happening in like 1960, 61, 62. Yep. yep. There's like a whole storyline with this one guy who wants to join the Doom Patrol. Yeah. And they kind of string him along, and then they ultimately reject him, and he becomes their villain. Oh, there you go. Like, wow. Disgruntled employee. But, but you know, Postal Marvel, worker. that's the stuff that Marvel really right. made bank with in the 60s. That's true. And uh, and there were just a bunch of ideas that were like that, that were really interesting. They were definitely characters or problems and stuff, so... Was Robot Man in that one? Yeah. yeah. The last of la our girl? Yeah. Is, is, is that the one? Well, it was Rita Farr. Rita Farr, but, that's but yeah, it, yeah, she was. She, I think she just grew giant or something. Yeah, that's. And what about yeah. the the guy in the raps, the No Man? Yeah, he yeah. was Negative Man negative or something. Man. Right. Yep, yep, I mean, they they were all interesting. And then the doctor, or nothing, the doctor, the professor. professor. Yeah. So I mean, the, the the concept did seem like very strong. And again, those comics were really were fun. Did you notice on the TV show they switched out Beast Boy for Cyborg? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that's about. Well, I think they probably wanted Cyborg B. And Teen Titans. No, you know what it is? It's Teen Titans. He was in them in the Teen Titans show yeah. on DC Universe. And then he goes off with the Titans. Right. So they probably didn't want the same kid in both shows. So they right. just pulled in Cyborg. Because I was like, I don't think Cyborg was ever part of the Doom Patrol. Well, but the it? Teen Titans used all the Doom Patrols. They, I mean, Marvin George used the best stuff from Doom Patrol. To make Teen Titans. To make Teen Titans in the 80s really good. I mean, they it's used the, the conflict stuff. They use the. Is that why the the Justice Monsoor League? Mansoor Mala and the no, General or whatever, all those characters. Is that why Justice League doesn't work sometimes? Because there's none of that conflict. Like, you look at the Fantastic Four, you look at the X Men, yeah. you look at Doom Patrol, all these things we're talking about. There's always these, like, human elements where people don't like each other or yeah. there are quirks about them that they fight. Yeah, well, you could think about it. You could never. you Like, with the Avengers. Yeah. When they were Thor and Iron Man and Captain America, really two shoes, you didn't yeah. get this. They were all strong on their own, right? Or established on their own, so you didn't feel like these were guys who were going to necessarily hang out in a clubhouse. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas 
a Doom Patrol or X-Men or whatever, they're organically they're a team together. or yeah. a family. Yeah. Same is true. Like with the Justice League, the best, in a way, in recent years, to me, the best Justice League was still the, the, the Giffen, Giffen Dematis, Yeah, because they were all messed because up. Because they took also second string characters yep. like Martian Manhunter oh, and even Captain, Captain Marvel at that time. They took them and turned them into a family. Right. Whereas if it had been Wonder Woman, Superman, yeah. Batman, they're like Gods. too big on their own. Yeah. You don't really imagine them having pizza together. No, 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 you know no, I mean? no, 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 no. Or Oreos or all that. So, so, so with the Justice League, the strength of how bad was the threat that they were facing, yeah. how big was the villainy, whereas the other thing, they could do more Marvel-type stories, which were little interpersonal stuff. Did you ever read The Legion of Superheroes? When, probably in the 70s. Okay. When, That's uh, a Keith Grell, Giffen run. When Grell was doing it. Yeah. And I did read it when in the 80s. Yeah. When that stuff, I think in the early 80s. It was more sci-fi, though. Yeah. Or dark side. It was a, I, never, I didn't realize it until later. It was like when Giffen and, I think, Levitz were doing it. Yep. They were doing yep. more of yep. a, almost more of a Star Trek universe kind of feel. Yeah, yeah. Which made sense. You know what I mean? It, they t- turned it into almost like a... That type of Star Trekky kind of book, which you know, to me again, did feel organic. But the, the concepts were science fictiony. I was never a big science fictiony guy. No, I'm just trying to think of what other team books that I can think of that I liked. That Infinity Inc. <laughs> no, I said that I liked no. oh, All Star no. Squadron. All Star <laughs> Squadron, I liked because yeah. that was more adventurous and that wasn't really more. That was more like the Invaders, because it's Roy, Thomas, well, right? both of them, but it wasn't like, oh, I hate you, I yeah. love you. And, well, you but know. both All-Star Squadron, again, the key to me is Roy did what he did with his other stuff. stuff. He took the second string characters and he made you like them. Yeah. You know, that's what he did when he was on Avengers, is that he made characters out of Hawkeye. And he made and Scarlet and, Witch and, and Pedro. Right, and, and Hercules, even. Yeah. You know what I mean? He yeah. took these guys. Or Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, he took them and he made them interact in a way that the main guys wouldn't have interacted which is what was kind of neat and with like All-Star Squadron all those characters that Roy picked for his team yeah he had Hawkman who was you know yeah he loved Hawkman that's one of Roy's favorites right but but Dr. Midnight wasn't necessarily a big character Robot Man the 1940s was definitely not Liberty Bell Johnny Quick they were all you know decent enough characters but none of them were like big characters no so that was what was neat, I think, is that, you know, you when I would draw those things, when I was working on the books, I felt for the robot man, and I felt for... Do you think there's pressure off of DC, though, because there are second stringers, they don't really care? Or they, you know, they're not oh, going to... Yeah, because you're not going to screw up, oh, Superman or Batman, you're not yeah. doing major well, characters. When you're working on a book, yeah. one of the things that's probably the most annoying thing is, for example... Yes. Like when you're working on All-Star Squadron, there's nobody, there's no other writer going, pitching to your editor saying, I'm going to do Dr. Midnight. I'm going to do... Oh. You know what I mean? So you can... So like on an X-Men book, everyone's grabbing at Nightcrawler or Wolverine. Right, you can fully own those characters in your continuity. I see. Like Claremont could develop and make them into characters because they weren't being dragged off all the time to... You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh And like with DC, it's like when we were doing Superman, Mm. not to get back to these. No, 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 but... When we were doing Superman, DC was happy to have us... Because we were, they thought we were doing good work. We weren't selling that great after Burn. Right. It wasn't like it was terrible, terrible. They saw something in us or in me to keep me on it. Right. But the good thing there, too, was that Superman as a character, there weren't, like, other 
creators going, oh, I want to do Superman. No, but is so there like a status that, quo that they say you can't but, make him do this yeah, or this? Yeah, after or this? a certain point when the characters started getting popular, then it's yeah. like, oh, all these name name creators were like, oh, I, I have a, I'm going to pitch a Superman thing. I'm going to pitch this. And then that kind of attacks your base of right. what you've... It's like, wait, we've been working this stuff, and now we have to coexist with, like, the unauthorized biography of Lex Luthor. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. You know, which we really didn't have say in. Did that guy just die? Yeah, James Hudnall. I mean, James it was Hudnall. a good book, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it was like, say, you're you're developing a character for yeah. several years, and then somebody off. else comes in and says, here's his origin. Well, can they just so write you, that? They didn't write that off as an Elseworld. Like, oh, no, just, at the time it, it was, was continuity. Yeah. Well, it was... It, if it was published, it was continuity back then. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, if something made it into print, it was continuity, in theory. Mm-hmm. So that was always a, a, an issue. So, but with, like, again, with you take a character like the, uh, like we were talking about Robot with, Man. with Robot Man or Liberty Bell or Johnny Quick, yeah, they really weren't that fully sketched out in the 40s because they didn't do that type of stuff with these characters then. So, so you could do what you could want. Do, yeah, yeah, he could make them individual, give them quirks, and, and yeah. you know, I mean, it's all shorthand because it's still a drawn image on a page with word balloons that are lettered. So no, I know it's, I it's know. still shorthand. So you, but but adding a little character bit, and then my favorite bit to quote is really, you made Martian Manhunter interesting by having him like Oreos. Oreo cookies. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that was huge. It's one little personal it's trait. It's a tiny thing, yeah. But it takes that character one step away from being generic. Yeah. You know. Because that's what everyone remembers. That's what I remember. Like, oh, and he's in, the Oreo cookie guy. For the most part, 19, 1940s characters were all the same. Up through the sixties, they were somewhat generic. Yeah. Except Marvel tried to imbue them with a little bit of personality and some kind of quirk. Did you ever read the book Cavalier and Clay? Yes. That was the whole part of it—the escapist character. Right. It's a fictional story about these guys from the 30s that start a character like Superman. Right. And it goes up the whole popularity, the radio serials, and then it goes into the whole seduction of the innocent. They right. lose their jobs, and there's all this stuff. But it's a very soap opera. But they do refer to real events and real characters now. The superhero phase died out, and then right. they all went to westerns or horror or right. romance books or whatever they could sell. But that was one of the things, though, they talked about the things they did to the character yeah. to evolve it. And first, the escapist was this, like, start, you know, fighting Nazis. Right, right. And then he goes and becomes, like, multicolored. You know how you ever right. see the Batman had, right. like, the different rainbow Batmans right. and right. then the spaceships and all that stuff? So all those stories, they, there was no personal character. When did they actually start coming in? You're going to go back to the 60s, to the Marvel thing? That's when it really started becoming yeah. individuals instead of just... yeah. Templates and cookie cutter characters where I they're fighting so. bad guys. But then, but DC did it as well. I mean, there's well, which examples. came first though? The DC copy to Marvel or? Well, I think it, it wasn't probably came up. I mean, comics reflected what was going on in the world. Right. So, in the '60s, you had beatniks. Yeah. You had poetry. You had stuff. Yeah. I mean, young people were kind of. Were the writers at Marvel younger than the writers at DC at that time? No, but I think you would. You, you knew your audience was younger. Yeah. So, so you, you wrote always to your followed, audience. and you always followed. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Was that your phone? No. You're always trying to follow like a trend. Yeah. You know, so if cowboys are big on TV, well, that's then you popular. do a lot of cowboys you because yeah, you yeah. think, hey, they're they're popular on TV. Someone's going to buy a comic with a cowboy. So right. Spacemen are popular. We're going to do spacemen. But what happened in the '70s? Did it shift over then, or just got along the way somehow? It got yeah. Somebody derailed. somebody realized that yeah. kids were not just aging out of comics like in the 
whatever five-year cycle that they used to be. In I think it's seven. Or, well, it's seven. Yeah. Yeah, you got a new crop of readers. So if you if your readers are there longer, your readers are going to kind of demand something. But that They're came up. Wait, no, so all the seventies, high school to college. No, all the seventy guys were the kids that read them in the sixties, so yeah. they started growing older. So is that when you start seeing the first comic book stores and? The convention scene because now these are older guys yeah. that had a common hobby yeah well, they want people, to go talk about fandom, it fandom started organizing i think in the 40s and 50s yeah but, but they didn't really have an outlet for it and you, right. you know there's certainly they had fanzines the early fan guys we didn't you couldn't print no they used to make them on a mimeograph machines now right. i've seen the early copies like roy thomas's yeah, yeah. alter ego and yeah, you were printing the comics reader by levitz oh my god yeah. mimeograph was all you had with that was, smell of ammonia right it was yeah. just like a chemical template thing that these guys would literally just mail order right like they'd they would, send it to each other and yeah like pen pals yeah there was no internet and there was no the internet was a post office so. I mean you did it just to connect with people more than to make money none of those things were money making but they weren't yeah they were doing it as a love of the art yeah. or their hobby they weren't it thinking was a way to become, reach out it was that was more than it was a way to reach out I'm not going to go and do this as a profession yeah and then they would start connecting with people at sh at uh why I mean, did a lot of the science fiction guy... was a little more organized in that time frame. The fans of science fiction, they started... Thinking. Oh, you mean like Isaac Asimov fans and well, Ray Bradbury of, and all like that stuff? Like the Pulps and stuff, a lot yeah. of those fans. It's this thing. No. Oh. oh, you know what it is? I was going to say to you, why is it that so many of the guys in the 70s, do they just go to become commercial artists or they just couldn't find work? Because I hear stories about a lot of the creator guys out of work, becoming security guards, working at parking lots, yeah, bagging groceries... Out. They aged out. Yeah, but there was no other thing to fall back on. I mean, nah, comics were pretty much like a low, low end job. Yeah, you know. I mean, I heard stories of is it Schuster that becomes a courier? Yeah, Joe Schuster. He was a courier, and there was you know he had he was an artist who had eye problems. So yeah, 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 yeah. It doesn't matter that you created Superman. You you own nothing. You couldn't see anything. You also have no equity in anything. So you know what you have to pay your rent somehow. Yeah. You know. Jerry Siegel worked at the post office. I heard that, yeah. Um, Reed Crandall was a night guard. What happened to, uh, didn't Finger, Bill Finger die at Pauper's Grave? Possibly. I mean, it was tough. No, I, I think again, that, I don't think he, I think that's what it is. I think it's Harry Potter's field. I mean, if you, and, and this, I don't mean this in a bad way, but no. if you look at the emergence of the young talent in the 70s, yeah. that came at the expense of the older talent that was Oh, the they threw them all out? Jobs. Yeah, yeah. DC had... I mean, Murphy they, Anderson, all those guys got pink slipped. Murphy was smart, and what Murphy did, which I think is really brilliant, was he took and he started creating. He created like a company that did color separations. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, so Murphy, I didn't know that. Murphy also had an excuse to come in the office to deliver work. Oh. Um, he also had commercial clients beyond comic books that he did that for. So, I mean, there's, you know, you had to adapt and survive. Well, how come some guys survive? Like, Gil Kane managed to make it through. Well, Gil Kane also... Cover guy. I mean, it's like, Gil always had... He was probably able to sell himself for one thing. Right. Gil was good. You know, there's there's an aspect of that that's important, is that somebody can, uh, you know, like, hey, I want to work got along with, with people. Kane. He wasn't yeah. a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, but they were... Their talent was still recognized. They were above, say... Maybe ten other guys. I yeah, mean, yeah. You know, they could do the same thing. Yeah. So I mean, it's always a competition, right? So Kirby, Kirby was always creating stuff 
yeah. like crazy because he knew that was how he's going to survive. Treading on water, yeah. He was always going to come up with new stuff so that he wasn't resting on his laurels. Oh, because I always wonder what happened to that old guard. Like, yeah. I, you see his switch yeah. from the Dick Dillon guys and all those guys yeah. in the well, early Dillon, 70s. Dick well, Dillon worked up until all right. and he died while he was working on Justice League. There's, but there's other there's, people like What about uh, Aqua? Uh, uh, Aquaman guy. What am I thinking of? Nick Cardi. Nick Cardi. And Nick Cardi, I think Nick Cardi was probably still working. Yeah. I mean, not everybody was destitute. No, uh, but I mean, you know, but it was tough. Like guys like Kurt Schaffenberger and yeah. Kurt Swan ran into Frank trouble. Frank Robbins got to work. Well, those guys got, ran into trouble in the in the the eighties and nineties because what, taxes or something. No, no, no. I mean, as far as being um, older artists. Oh, oh. You know, the they weren't hot, fresh. Well, I remember that article by Herb Trimpey about how he couldn't get work anymore, yeah. and he was—it was like, really? Yeah, it's brutal. It was, yeah. I mean, he had a family to feed, and he was like trying to work down the street at Sears or something. Just well, to get he, I mean, I, I can't speak for him exactly, but I remember reading at the time this was—he was cut loose in the '90s. Yeah. Um, around the time Marvel was going into bankruptcy after they'd been horribly, oh, okay. They were horribly mismanaged by New Line Cinema, basically, kind of. They were they the, the people who owned Marvel kept sucking them dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Marvel guys, including Herb, had like a grandfathered-in deal where they got health benefits. Yeah, they got yeah. You know, contracts with insurance and and even like uh, I don't know if they had vacation time, but they definitely had like money that they some type of benefit. Yeah. Thing. So they were kind of taken care of. And, and then uh, it just dried up overnight. That just, that just kind of like, hey, why, why are we doing this? You know. Oh, so wow. It's at the whim of whoever your owners are that there's nothing in writing saying these guys are supposed to get this. Therefore, that can go away. Well, yeah. no, I'm looking now. Marvel just announced last Friday. Did you see the Marvel 1000 to oh, celebrate yeah, yeah. the 80th anniversary? And they've got like, so, I think it's over 80 different but they got artists and writers. A single page. Each person's doing a single I, it's page. It's just crazy, though. Yeah. You know, I know it's not a whole book, but you got, I saw names like Roy Thomas yeah. is working on it. And then, uh, who's some of the older artists? Jerry Ordway. No. Yeah, nobody You're not on that one. one. Well, you're but not. No, but I'm saying, like, thing, you're not think, thought of as a Marvel guy yeah. off the top of your head. You're, but it, it, again, though, you know, like every time there's a, a new wave of, of artists. Yeah. In Somebody's got to go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, the thing is that the companies got young at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You know, when I started at DC in You were the young guy on the block. Well, I was a 